Welcome back to the Word Encounter, episode 159. And in this chapter, and actually for the next eight chapters, uh, Ezekiel is going to be prophesying the word of the Lord against other nations in the regions. We're really not going to be discussing much about the Israelites or the Judeans, as this particular time is spent just prophesying against those nations. And so let's get started. Prophecies against the nations in chapter 25. It says in verse 2, Son of man, face the Ammonites and prophesy against them. Say to the Ammonites, hear the word of the Lord God. This is what the Lord God says. Because you said, aha, (laughs) about my sanctuary when it was desecrated and the land of Israel when it was laid to waste and about the house of Judah when they went into exile. And so in other words, the Lord is saying through Ezekiel, because you gloated when my uh, temple was desecrated and when my people were exiled, we're going to drop down um, uh, to verse 8, you know, where he's going to talk about Moab now. And so the Ammonites gloated. What did the Moabites do? In verse 8, it says, This is what the Lord God says, because Moab and Seir said, Look, the house of Judah is like all the other nations. And so uh, because Moab commonized Judah, didn't recognize that they were the children of God because they said, well, they're like everybody else. They're nothing special. You know, that's what the Lord had against them. And it says in verse 12, this is what the Lord says, because Edom acted vengefully against the house of Judah and incurred grievous guilt by taking revenge on them. And so the Edomites, they took um, a re- revenge on, remember, uh, Edom is descended from Esau. Jacob and Esau were brothers. And so they were essentially, um, the peoples are essentially cousins. They should have been in cooperation with each other. Right. But that's not what happened. And so that's what he had against Edom. And so Philistia, it says in verse 16, this is what the Lord God says, because the Philistines acted in vengeance and took revenge with deep contempt, destroying because of their perpetual hatred. So because of their perpetual hatred of Judah, of Israel, the Israelites, you know, because <clears throat> because Edom acted vengefully, you know, because the Moabites thought they were just common and because the Ammonites gloated. You know, so we had all of these things that these nations were doing. It says in verse 17, I will execute severe vengeance against them with fury and rebuke. They will know that I am the Lord when I take my vengeance on them. And so the Lord is spelling out what they did and what he's going to do about it. Let's go on to chapter 26. It says the fall of Tyre. Now, we haven't spoken much about Tyre. Tyre has come up at different episodes and different chapters in the, in the work that we've gone through so, uh, thus far. But just to recant, you know, Tyre was a, a kingdom on the Mediterranean. And so because of their geographic location, they had many ships. And what they did with those ships is they moved good. They, they moved goods. They moved product. So they were traders. They were traders, not traders as in, you know, a traitor against the nation, but traders. You know, they traded. They traded product. And so they moved goods. They moved products. They moved, you know, clothes, spices, materials, you know. And because of this, they had relationships with all of the kingdoms in the region. And because of this, they became very wealthy. And because of that, it led to their pride. And so let's go on to verse 2. It says, Son of man, because Tyre said about Jerusalem, Aha, the gateway to the peoples is shattered. And so they gloated. It says in verse 3, Therefore this is what the Lord God says. See, I am against you. Tyre, I will raise up many nations against you just as the sea rises or raises its waves. In verse 4, They will destroy the walls of Tyre and demolish her towers. I will scrape the soil from her and turn her into a bare rock. 
in verse 7. It says, for this is what the Lord God says. See, I'm about to bring King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, king of kings against Tyre from the north with horses, chariots, cavalry, and a huge assembly of troops. The word says he will slaughter your villages on the mainland with the sword. He will set up siege works, build a ramp, and raise a wall of shields against you. And so then it goes on to describe even in more detail what will happen with regard to what Nebuchadnezzar does to Tyre. Mm. And so let's drop down. Well, no, let's go over to chapter 27. And it says here, uh, the sinking of Tyre. And it says in verse 2, Now, son of man, lament for Tyre. Say to Tyre, who is situated at the entrance of the sea, merchants of the peoples to many coasts and islands, this is what the Lord God says. Tyre, you declared, I am perfect in beauty. Your realm was the heart of the sea. Your builders perfected your beauty. And so we see here that the Tyre, you know, thinks of itself as being all that, if you will. So let's drop down here. We're going to drop down to verse 25. It says, uh, ships of Tarshish. Well, between where I was in verse 25 here, it goes on to describe uh the relationships that Tyre had with all of these different uh, nations and all of the products they moved and how glorious, you know, they were and how, how rich they became. And so it goes into some details of the magnificence and the splendor of Tyre. Then it says in verse 25, ships of Tarshish uh, were carriers for your goods. So you uh, became full and heavily loaded in the heart of the sea. In verse 26, your rowers have brought you onto the high seas, but the east wind, this is referring to Babylon, has wrecked you in the heart of the sea. Your wealth, merchandise, and goods, your sailors and captains, those who repair your leaks, those who barter for your goods, and all the warriors on board your ships with all the other people within you sink into the heart of the sea on the day of your downfall. So this is what's going to happen to you, Tyre. And so let's go on to chapter 28, and this is entitled, The Fall of Tyre's Ruler. Now, this is very, very, very important, so pay attention. It says in verse 2, Son of man, say to the ruler of Tyre, this is, the Lord, this is what the Lord God says, Your heart is proud, and you have said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of gods in the heart of the sea. Yet you are a man and not a God, though you have regarded in your heart as that, of, uh, as that of a God. Though you have regarded in your heart as that of a God. In other words, the Lord said, look, even though you think you're a God, in your heart, heart you think you're a God. You're not. <laughs> you know, you're not. But that's your pride talking. Then it says in verse 6, therefore, this is what the Lord God says. Because you regard your heart as that of a God, I am about to bring strangers against you, ruthless men from the nations. They will draw their swords against your magnificent wisdom and will pierce your splendor. Interesting wording. It says they will draw their uh, swords against your magnificent wisdom. So the Lord is attributing magnificent wisdom to the king of Tyre. Keep listening. Verse 8. They will bring you down to the pit and you will die a violent death in the heart of the sea. The next section says a lament for Tyre's king. Verse 12, son of man, lament for the king of Tyre and say to him, this is what the Lord God says. He says, 
you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. This is the Lord talking about a man? Hmm. Verse 13, it says, You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every kind of precious stone covered you, topaz and diamonds, beryl, onyx, jasper, turquoise, and emerald. Your mountings and settings were crafted in gold. They were prepared on the day you were created. And verse 14 says this. It says, you were anointed guardian cherub, for I had appointed you. He was anointed guardian cherub. Remember, a cherub is a type of an angel, an angelic being, a heavenly being. It says, you were anointed guardian cherub. Not just a cherub, guardian cherub. For I had appointed you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked among the fiery stones. Is he talking about the king of Tyre? Verse 15. From the day you were created, you were blameless in all your ways until wickedness was found in you. Through the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I expelled you in disgrace from the mountain of God and banished you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Huh. So this dude got banished from the fiery stones, from the mountain of God. And he's referred to as guardian cherub. In verse 17, your heart became proud because of your beauty. For the sake of your splendor, you corrupted your wisdom. Huh. So I threw you down to the ground. I made you a spectacle before kings. Who is the Lord referring to here? This has dual meaning. He's referring tangentially to the king of Tyre. But what I believe the main focus is being talked about here is Satan, Lucifer. See, because Lucifer was cast from heaven. He was thrown down because of his pride, because he thought he was the equivalent to, if not superior to God. So God cast him out of the kingdom of heaven and threw him down to the ground. It says in verse 18, you profaned your sanctuaries by the multitude of your inequities in your dishonest trade. Uh, so I made fire come from within you and it consumed you. I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of everyone watching. It says in verse 19, all those, um, all those who know you among the peoples are appalled at you. You have become an object of horror and will never exist again. And so you got to catch the duality of purpose that's going on here. It's talking about the king of Tyre, but it's really referencing Satan. And then we have a prophecy against Sidon in verse 21. Son of man, face Sidon and prophesy against it. You are to say, this is what the Lord God says. Look, I am against you, Sidon, and I will display my glory within you. Verse 23, it says, I will send a plague against her and bloodshed in her stress, or excuse me, in her stress, in her streets. The slain will fall within her while the sword is against her on every side. They will know that I am the Lord. And so let's go on 
to chapter 29. It says the prophecy um, of Egypt's ruin in verse 2. Son of man, face Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and prophesy against him and against all of Egypt. Speak to him and say, this is what the Lord God says. Look, I am against you, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, the great monster lying in the middle of the Nile, of his Nile, in the middle of his Nile, who says, my Nile is my own. I made it for myself. Huh. And so it, there's a little bit of pride going on here. And then we see here, it says there in verse 8, Therefore, this is what the Lord God says. I'm going to bring a sword against you and cut off both people and animals from you. The land of Egypt will be a desolate ruin. Then they will know that I am the Lord, because you said the Nile is my own. I made it. Therefore, I am against you and your Nile, Pharaoh. I will turn the land of Egypt into ruins, a desolate waste from Migdal to Cyan, Syene, I should say, uh, as far as the border of Cush. No human foot will pass through it, and no animal foot will pass through it. It will be uninhabited for 40 years. In verse 13, for this is what the Lord God says, at the end of 40 years, I will gather the Egyptians from the peoples where they were dispersed. I will um, restore their fortunes of Egypt and bring them back to the land of Pathros, the land of their origin. There they will be a lowly kingdom. Egypt will be the lowest of kingdoms and will never again exalt itself over the nations. So we see that uh, what's going to happen to Egypt, but he's going to bring back Egypt. He's going to restore Egypt, just not to its former glory. It says Babylon receives Egypt as compensation. I find this to be very interesting. It says in verse 18, son of man, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon made his army uh, labor strenuously against Tyre. We already talked about, you know, how Tyre had fell, fallen. And then it said, every, um, every head has, excuse me, every head was made bald and every shoulder chaffed, but he and his army received no compensation from Tyre uh, for the labor he expended against it. Now, every head was made bald, every shoulder chaffed. That means it took a long time to siege Tyre. See, every head made bald. That could be a reference to uh, the soldiers with their heads and their helmets and all of their hair was removed, or it could be a reference to age. They just got old fighting tires so long that they became bald. And their shoulders chaffed because of their war gear, uh, and they were getting sore because uh, of the siege was so long. But they received no compensation. Now, I don't know what happened to Tyre's wealth. I don't know why, why they didn't plunder it. I have no idea. But the Lord says that they received no compensation. So this is interesting in verse 19. Therefore, this is what the Lord God says. I'm going to give the land of Egypt to the king of Nebuchadnezzar, to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, and he will carry off its wealth, seizing its spoil and taking its plunder. This will be his army's compensation. So the Lord is saying, look, uh, uh, son of man, Ezekiel, prophesy this, that the king of Babylon, who was doing my bidding, uh, seized Tyre, but they didn't get any reward for it. So therefore, I'm going to give them Egypt, and they're going to plunder them. So I'm going to pay them with, with Egyptian resources for what they did for me against Tyre. Verse 20, I have given him the land of Egypt as the pay he labeled for since they worked for me. This is the declaration of the Lord God. And so the Lord said, look, okay, you didn't get anything from them, but you're going to get something and get paid from them. <laughs> and so that's exactly what he did. Let's go on to chapter 30. It says, uh, Egypt's doom. Now, the point here is that um, be careful who you ally yourself with, or I should say, be careful who your allies are. You know, who you get into 
you know, agreements with, who you get into cahoots with, you know, be careful. It says here in verse 4, it says, The sword will come to Egypt, and there will be anguish and cush. When the slain uh, fall in Egypt, and its wealth taken away, and its foundations are demolished, Cush, Put, and Lud uh, will all, and all the various foreign troops, plus Libya, and, uh, and the men of the covenant land, will fall by the sword among them. This is what the Lord says. Those who support Egypt will fall, and its proud strength will collapse. From Migdal to Syene, uh, they will fall within the, they will fall within, excuse me, they will fall with, within it by the sword. <laughs> they will fall within it by the sword. Why can't I say that? Um, this is the declaration of the Lord God. They will be desolate among desolate lands, and their cities will lie among ruined cities. They will know that I am the Lord uh, when I set fire to Egypt, and all its allies are shattered. And so because of um, Egypt, those who allied themselves with Egypt were also going to fall. So you need to pick carefully. In chapter 31, it says the downfall of Egypt and Assyria. In verse 2, son of man, say to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to his hordes. It says, who are you like in your greatness? In other words, who is like you, Pharaoh? And then Lord answers. He says in verse 3, think of Assyria, a cedar in Lebanon with beautiful branches and shady foliage and a lofty height. His top was among the clouds. And so the Lord is saying, look, Pharaoh, who, who has come in history and time that's been like you? And he says, think of the Assyrians. Think of Assyria. They were a massive kingdom, very strong, very powerful. Remember, they're the ones who took out the northern kingdom of Israel. You know, they were beautiful. And their heights were amongst the clouds. That's kind of who you remind me of. You know, that's how great they were. Let's drop down to um, uh, verse 10. And it says, uh, well, first it, it's describing Assyria in all of, all of its splendor and its heyday. But it says in verse 10, therefore, this is what the Lord God says. Since it towered high in stature and set its top among the uh, clouds, and it grew proud on account of its height, I determined to hand it over to the ruler of nations. He would surely deal with it. I banished it because of its wickedness. Now remember, as we go through the word, think about this. Is there anything more common that you can recall that we've covered in the word that has been the source for man's or kingdom's downfall than pride? Pride, I think, is the number one thing that brings people and brings kingdoms to its knees. And so here the word is equating uh, uh, wickedness with pride. And basically pride is the source of all this wickedness. And so, you know, there, there's a lesson, there's a, a huge lesson here for us because, you know, we see this in the word, the word says pride cometh before the fall. And we see it all throughout the examples in the word here, but also, our observations in life, at least I've seen this happen over and over and over again. You know, if we pay attention, I think it's pretty apparent that pride is one of the main causes for man's downfall. <clears throat> so let's go on. It says in verse 18, it says, Who then are you liking glory and greatness among Eden's trees? And so Eden's trees are referring to kingdoms uh, that have risen and fallen 
in past times. It says, um, you also will be brought down to the underworld to be with the trees of Eden. You will lie among the uncircumcised with those slain by the sword. This is Pharaoh and all his hordes. This is the declaration of the Lord. He says, you're going to be like all these other ones. You're going to come down to the underworld. In verse 32, we go on. Let's drop down ooh, to verse 18. So if we drop down to verse 18, it says, Egypt in Sheol, which is a type of hell. It says, Son of man, wail over the hordes of Egypt and bring Egypt and its daughters of mighty nations down to the underworld to be with those who descend to the pit. And so we go on. And it says in verse 22, Assyria is there. You know, Assyria is in the pit. Assyria is there with her whole assembly. Her graves are all around her. All of them are slain, fallen by the sword. Her graves are set in the deepest regions of the pit. Who else is there? It says in verse 24, Elam is there with all her hordes around her grave. All of them slain, fallen by the sword, who went down to the underworld uncircumcised, who once spread their terror in the land of the living. Uh, They bear their disgrace with those who descend to the pit. Who else might be there? Let's see. Let's go to verse 26. Uh, Meshach and Tabul are there with all their hordes. Their graves are all around them. Uh, All of them are uncircumcised, slayed by the sword, although their terror was once spread in the land of the living. Huh. Who else might be there? And it says Edom is there. Now, remember, Edom, uh, they're descendants of of, uh, Esau, you know, and so they should have been cool with the Israelites, but they weren't. It says, Edom is there. Her kings and all her princes, who, despite their strength, have been placed among those slain by the sword. They lie down with the uncircumcised, with those who descend to the pit. Also, we see that all of the Sidonians are there. You know, from Sidon, they went down in shame with the slain, despite the terror their strength inspired. So you see, all of these folks are down in the pit. All of these folks who were once mighty kingdoms. You know, they're all down there, Pharaoh, and they're waiting for you. It says in verse 31, Pharaoh will see them and be comforted over all his hordes. It says, for I will spread my tear in the land of the living. So Pharaoh and all his hordes will be laid to rest among the uncircumcised, those uh, with those slain by the sword. This is the declaration of the Lord God. That's pretty ominous. You know, so we see that the Lord has a long memory. He remembers all of those things that were done to his people as they were going on their journey. He remembers those who came against them. He remembers those who gloated over them. He remembers those who didn't assist them. You know, he remembers those who made them go around the long way instead of allowing them to cut through their territory. He remembers all of this stuff that these people did against his people. And... He's pronounced his judgment against them because of that. And so we're going to stop and uh, we're going to pick it up tomorrow in episode 160 in chapter 33 of Ezekiel. But remember, never, ever forget Jesus, what he has done and what he is offering so that his death will not go in vain. Recall what he is offering. He is offering us everlasting life through the recognition of his lordship. And the word says all we need to do is to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord 
and believe in our heart that he is Lord. And the word says that we will be saved, that we will be saved, that we will be risen again. And if we sincerely make that confession, then what we have to look forward to is an everlasting life under the rulership of the Lord God. Where there will be no sickness, no illness, where there will be no pain and disease, where there will be nothing but awesomeness. That is a tremendous promise, but it's made not by me, it's made by God through his word. So with that, everybody take care, stay safe, and be blessed. Bye-bye.